Quarantine Podcast, episode 51. 51. We're still in the love of God today. We're covering the second part of what it means to have agape love. Yesterday we talked about the relationship between agape love between the Father and us and us and the Father. But today we're extending that love of God or the agape love to where Jesus extends it, right? We're not just to love God with agape, but we are to love our neighbor and our enemy as well. We're going to be in Luke 10. I'm sure you know the passage when I start. It's going to be the parable of the good Samaritan. Now, the idea to love your neighbor is not new in the New Testament. It is old. Love your neighbor is appeared multiple times in the Old Testament as well, but Jesus expands on it because people like loopholes and they want to get around the requirement to love one's neighbor. And we see this portrayed here in Luke 10, starting in verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So the lawyer answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, looking for a loophole, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus answered him in one of the most, everyone knows this parable. Even non-believers know this parable, the good Samaritan. So let's continue. Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. It's not a fun day on a trip to Jericho. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by the other, on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on the, his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the lawyer said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Now let's think of the players in this verse. Okay, You have the thieves, the victim, the priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan, and an innkeeper. And of these characters, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan came into closest contact with the person who had been beaten. And it's clear they even looked upon him that the need was extreme. He had been stripped, beaten, he's probably bloodied. And for two of them, their response was to move along, Move along. But for one, the Samaritan, 
his first response was compassion. It says that in the text. When he saw him, he had compassion. When somebody is in pain, does your heart jump to compassion? Or is your heart quick to judge? Well, they shouldn't have put themselves in that situation. Well, if they had listened to, you know, their mom and dad, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have found themselves in trouble. Well, if they would have just had the right worldview or if they would have just had the right way of thinking or would if they would have thought like me, they would have never found themselves in this situation. Do we fill in a backstory to justify our passing by? Or do we have compassion? And not just compassion. It's one thing to be like, oh, that's so sad, right? It's like someone who posts, you know, some um, moral virtue signaling online but does nothing in reality. You know, I'll march online for this cause. I'm not going to do anything in real life. You know, I'm not going to talk about it with friends. But I'll, I'll, I'll mention it where other people can definitely notice me. Or does your compassion lead to action? Think about it. A Samaritan went to the man, bandaged his wounds, pours oil and wine on his wounds, sets him on his own animal, brings him to an inn, and takes care of him. Further, he pays the innkeeper to continue to do so and says, I'll come back and whatever you spend, I'll make sure it's covered. Do we go above and beyond in our actions to make sure that those who need mercy receive mercy and receive care? Or are we quick to pass by and make excuses? I'm too young. I don't have enough money. I don't see poor people around me, right? We live in Frisco, Salina, but there are relationally poor people on every corner. Spiritually poor people on every corner. Do we just ignore those needs out of fear that it might inconvenience us? Or do we go and do likewise, which is what Jesus commands the lawyer? You know, it's important for us as we look at this parable to notice that Jesus not only identified who is one's neighbor, but he gave us vital information of how to agape them, how to love them, the way the Lord has loved us. And Jesus goes further. It's not just your neighbor. In the Sermon on the Mount, he says something radical. This is Matthew 5, 43 through 48. You have heard that it is said, this is Jesus speaking, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rains on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? 
And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. When Jesus says here, you have heard, he's echoing this Old Testament idea of it is written, right? When the rabbis used to teach, they say, it is written, it is written, it is written. And Jesus is echoing what the rabbis are teaching here by saying, you have heard what the rabbis said, right? You shall love your enemy, which it is written there. But the rabbis had taken it a step further and said, well, if we're supposed to love our enemies, I mean, love love our neighbor, then surely that means that we should hate our enemies. But Jesus says, whoa, 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 not so. We are to love our enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. When you have been betrayed, when you have been hurt by others, this is not easy. But the path to healing takes place in this section of Scripture for you. Do you ask the Lord that your enemy would receive blessing, namely to know his son? Do you ask that, um, do you pray for those who have hurt you? Do you try to do good to those who have hurt you? Or are we cowards who, much like the Pharisees and Levites on the side of the road, look upon those that deserve what they have gotten and say, well, they have hurt me, and now they are essentially dead to me. One one of those people is a believer, and one of those, as Jesus says here, is a fraud. For if we choose who to love and hate based on whether they are in our in-crowd or brethren, how are we any different than the tax collectors? How are we any different than the pagans? You know, one of the phrases I've begun to use pretty regularly when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit is that fruit grows in a garden pretty easily, right? It's tended for, it's watered, it's cared for. Any fruit can kind of grow when it's it's good. And that doesn't what isn't what makes it miraculous. But fruit that goes grows in the desert, fruit that grows in the midst of our enemies' lands, man, that's a miracle. When we're able to display love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, not with those where it's easy, but when the, with those whom which it is hard, then we see our sanctification at work. So plead with the Lord that he would grow in you the fruit of the Spirit, not just when the rains are plentiful and the sunshine is rich but in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the deserts of life. Because that's when our fruit will speak most loudly, when it is found in the plains of pain, in the valleys of sorrow, where to the world those things, the fruit of the Spirit, should not grow. 
but in Christ, it can grow anywhere. In our sufferings, in our longings, the agape love of God is extended to the world through you. Love your neighbor, love your enemy, and most importantly, love your God. Hope you're well. Peace.